Hello everyone and welcome to Venture Worlds. We are here to discover humans who are designing a better future. Each of us has the ability to become pioneers who are focused on one mission, humanizing the world with our talents. Today, I have a special guest who is an entrepreneur that has bridged the world of fashion and culture to express the strength, beauty, and resilience of women. You can trace the culture and human values through each piece in her collection. Humanizers, it is with my pleasure to introduce to you Valentina Yunzai, CEO and founder of Vise. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. I appreciate you having me. Of course, Valentina, thank you for being here. We'll go ahead and uh, start with the origins in terms of the background that impacted you to become the person you are today, and also essentially the inspiration of building out Vise. So if we can begin from the from the beginning of it all. <laughs> well, I was born <laughs> in Montenegro. <laughs> born in Montenegro um, to my Albanian parents. Um, I We actually emigrated to the U.S. when I was, I think, around four and a half. So somehow I learned English and started school here right away, kindergarten, um, nothing. I don't, I don't think we had like pre-K or anything back then. Um, so this ties to really becoming a vise as I was the oldest in the family. And with my, you know, me and my parents being immigrants, and I also had a younger sister um, at the time, she was only one and a half and the oldest and responsible and me going to school, there was a lot of this uh, maybe said pressure and maybe unannounced pressure of, you know, I had to translate and really just be um, dunked into the American culture and absorb that as quick as possible in order for me to, you know, support my parents, translate things, uh, you know, just from English to Albanian, but also just help them with things we don't learn in school, like paperwork and filling out government documents or just the way things are as far as culturally and different and understanding those, you know, idioms or cultural differences. So I felt like, even though we had a strong Albanian culture at home, I felt really like I had to really be um, warped in this Alba uh, American culture, Western culture, just so that I could keep up. So it's always a hard balance. I feel like that's with a lot of immigrant children of this balance of, you know, the Western world and your roots. And you may always be a little shamed or looked at differently from either sides, right? You're not 100% Albanian to some people and you're not 100% American to the other people. So there's always this fine line that we struggle, I feel like, throughout our lives. And so, you know, like I said, growing up, really, it was more so focusing on this Western culture. And then it wasn't until later in my 20s, you know, going through college. Um, by the way, I studied finance not anything um, related to the arts. I was always into arts. So when I was younger, I would um, draw and paint my dolls. Nature, I was really such an introvert, but I'm, I'm a millennial. I'm on the cusp. I feel like when I, we were growing up, there wasn't really a push for that. And it just with my immigrant parents working hard in physical labor, they were really pushing the sit at an office and have a quote unquote easy job, which we all know 
that's not easy either. <laughs> so we, you know, so I really was, um, I felt this calling to do business, even though I really had uh, a love for the arts. Um, so uh, my point was that after college, you know, I studied and then I really felt called back to really touch into that. I've always wanted my own business. I really didn't know what I would do in the arts, but I really missed being creative. And, and then also just growing up more and learning more about, you know, Albanians from, uh, you know, Kosovo and Albania too, you know, from Malsi. I loved really experiencing that because we really didn't hear, I would say in like Detroit, Michigan area, I didn't have a lot of friends with who were from different parts of the world. So it was really more tight with um albanians from montenegro so i loved really seeing that and learning more about it and exploring that and it just brought out you know my own roots and getting back to that and you know that was obviously like i said in my adult years maybe after 21 um and you know that tied to with me wanting to just get back into my creativeness and wanting to do my own thing I, I was making jewelry. So I had started another business. Uh, I wouldn't say the focus was maybe more about my background and being Albanian, but you know, that always comes through when you love something. So I still um, had that in there, but that didn't work out. And so when I dissolved that and I was designing buys, which I didn't know I was designing buys at the time, I really, you know, just reflected, okay, what what, what do I want to show here to the world? And I really didn't understand that I was designing at the time, uh, what I was feeling, which was a lot of the values in our culture. So, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just in my own head, right. Designing things. And I didn't launch a business yet. So I was just designing, designing, learning about the jewelry world. So I'm really self-taught in this. Like I said, I, my degree is in finance. So I have a bachelor's in that, which helped me by the way, I, I don't, um, regret that at all. But I, you know, it took a lot of time for me to just learn this myself, um, you know, consulting with other metalsmiths, consulting with other businesses. So, you know, I took a few years to do this myself and took a lot of time to come up with the name. And then it just clicked. I was like, wow, you know, it, it's an Albanian word, which I was super passionate actually to have, because I knew that um, really my culture very much inspired me and the women around me inspired me. And just the strength we have, the ties we have, how we keep family together, our you know versatility, um, and just the multifacetedness really of Albanian women. Um, and yeah, here we are today. <laughs> I love it. No, it's a it's a great story, especially as you transition in living in both worlds. Something that we all share in common as immigrants, uh, immigrant children, whether we're born uh, over there or also mm -hmm. the culture is always a part of, uh, of how you're brought up. And the fact that you've been able to navigate through all that, and then you picked the Western culture in the beginning, just because it's important to assimilate in the world you live in. And then mm -hmm. suddenly the Albanian culture and the values, they also come up and in, 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 I would say a good point in life where then you you take it, embrace it. And in this case, you built something that actually you can, you can share with, with other people, whether they're Albanian or not, which is a, which is a pretty cool thing to do. So I like that. It's, it's important, you know, to think about uh, also like the impact of culture and in, in, the, in, the, in your case, you used it as a way to build your business. So uh, I'd love to get an idea of like the challenges you overcame to essentially start your business. Yeah. 
Well, let me just say this. Everything's a challenge that you want. I, I reflect on this a lot daily. You know, you think about, okay, is this, it's the balance of, is this meant to be, then it'll come to me. And then, you know, anything you want, really, you have to work for it. I would say nothing is easy. I love doing this. And every day there's a challenge that you have to overcome, but you know, we tend to think of, I mean, I'll answer this first broad question. Then I'll talk about my specific, you know, challenges, but we tend to think that, or at least in generally, not everybody, at least for me, that when you get to this end goal is when you will feel success and happiness, but really you have to be enjoying this journey. So if you do not like that, you are working on this until two, three in the morning, not sleeping, this is not going to be for you, whatever it is that you choose to do. So, you know, I, I know that really, I feel like today's world, you never want to be an entrepreneur because there's very much low barrier to entry, right? Pop up an Instagram, get a website and go. Um, so you can get that all day long. Our, our American government will give you, um, you know, a, a federal ID, your employee identification number, no problem. They want your taxes, but what are you going to do with that? And, and can you build that? So that's okay. But if you want to start something, I mean, also realize that you don't need to just have your own business. Not everyone is really meant for that or built for that. If you have the skills, sure. So you can also, there's really no shame in working for someone else or having a passion in something else. I worked for someone else my entire life. I'm 36 years old. So, um, there's different ways to really uh, feel like you are fulfilled in what you want to do in your career, just in general in your life. So with me starting Vise, you know, it's funny you say that, um, you know, I, not funny, you know, not funny, you don't know this now that, you know, I have this Albanian audience and these customers, but in the beginning, nobody knew about me. I just grew about I just grew this organically. So it wasn't a lot of Albanian. It was maybe, you know, family and friends. And, um, it was really a lot of maybe Americans and, um, it really didn't start. I would say I wouldn't gain, like, I, I didn't gain maybe like a lot of traction among, um, the global market until much later. So this is my fifth year now, but what I was surprised about is, you know, like I said, obviously the name was Albania. That was already a challenge. Nobody could pronounce it, but I was very adamant that like we talked about before, you know, pronouncing our names and last names, there's like this American version, quote unquote. And then there's the Albanian version because we want to make it easy. But I was very adamant. I'm like, nope, we are pronouncing it voice. It's V-A-J-Z-E. I know that's not going to be easy at all, but people will get over it and they're going to learn how to pronounce it. So that was, you know, already a challenge in itself where I'm just, uh, you know, launching with this weird name. No one can say it. I don't have any Albanians to back me, but it's just me. And here it goes. But I was really happy to see that, you know, the brand and what, you know, we represent really resonates with more than Albanians. So I think I speak to this, you know, on just my website. And when I talk about it in general, you know, the qualities that I thought that I was uh, embodying in the jewelry and in the brand that really thought were closest to, you know, Albanian women that I grew up with, you know, they really transcend into a, a lot of cultures and a lot of women. So that was very empowering that I could, um, you know, just, um, relate to other women, other immigrant women, um, you know, Western women as well. So I thought that was really powerful. And, um, I really love that. I also bring that message to, to others. Um, 
challenges. Where's the scroll? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, you think you do think things are going to be easy because people have done the past. I mean, I'm in the jewelry market. This is very saturated, right? So, but there's always challenges with just, you know, designing, being creative all the time. Um, you know, producing things do not come out perfect. I don't know how still, (laughs) and, you know, um, growing the brand, uh, you know, challenges with social media nowadays. And, uh, um, I'm trying to think of specific things. I mean, I've done a lot of organic growth. So just trying to do my best to reach different people. Um, I have used social media a lot just because that's been really beneficial for me. Um, you know, and I'm able to connect with a lot of people. I really love that, that I could, uh, reach so many people around the world just through this platform. So that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, everything from behind the scenes and the business sense and marketing and emailing and packaging, and then the designing, and then, you know, thank goodness I have to knock on wood, you know, my customers have been amazing, but you know, during, um, you know, the pandemic, of course, that was a challenge for everybody. But even that, you know, is feeling it upon myself where, um, you know, the post office was not delivering things on time for the holidays. So I'm like, do I need to drive this to people? So that's a <laughs> new challenge that you can't expect this. So the point, you know, just as a takeaway, some pragmatic advice, and no matter how much you plan, you know, for example, 2020, maybe people who haven't lived through things like this, nobody could have planned for that. So, um, you know, you have to do your best with working with what you have with your, um, resources and what you can do at the time. Um, really not blaming yourself, but hopefully being agile enough. So I say, yes, you need a plan in place. You can't be just loosey goosey all over the place, but know that you need to be agile enough to change things. You cannot be as rigid with what you think can happen because, um, you know, things come up every day, good or bad. I I've had that too. I've had to pause some things because, you know, great opportunity came up. There was, you know, a pop-up to be in New York. I had a lot of things going on and it was a week long, but you do your best to work and you think it's a good opportunity. So you go for it. So that's going to come up too. And you don't want to miss those chances because you think something needs to be done in a certain way, Right. you know? No, that's perfect. It's like a couple of lessons I draw from all this. First, like you mentioned, determination. So today, mm-hmm. while you, you have your resources, right? Ready to go. Um, it's about you actually doing something you enjoy doing at all costs. And uh, and usually you get the glamorized version of entrepreneurship. Uh, right. And, and then the behind the scenes of it, you realize, oh, wow, like I really have to enjoy making jewelry in order for me to understand and overcome all the challenges you mentioned, like the whole supply chain process, right. the ideation process, all that that comes with it. And then, and then on top of that adaptability, which I think mm-hmm. is a cool thing to, to, to really embrace, uh, nothing, like you said, will ever go as planned. So you always have to be able to, to take those and then, and actually shift, uh, whether it's your entire business or in some cases, mm-hmm. Uh, ideas and things that you think will will catch on, and and then the other thing that also stuck out based off what you just described was the fact of you know seeking opportunities and when they come and present yourself, being ready and open minded to actually take on them, because uh, that's I'm sure a lot of people have those roadblocks uh, or or the concept of fear to actually pursue it. So yeah, it's right. a 
it's a great way to <laughs> su see great summer. <laughs> yeah, to see it all up. I love it. It's uh it's it it's actually the real real reflection of what it takes to build a business. And I think that's important for people to understand. And um with that, well, people talk a lot about quote unquote failure. So right. I think that's also something to take into huge consideration. You know, you have to make it a point. So when I said if the, you know, if there's an opportunity that comes up we may not know what really is an opportunity. So there was a point where I, I spent a whole year just saying yes to everything yeah. and seeing how that went. So even though let's say I would maybe lose money, lose something, lose time or taking a risk, everything is a risk. Let's be real. Uh, sitting still is a risk. Okay. So you yeah. either do it or you don't, both of those are risks. And so you, then you learn with whatever it is you're doing business or not, then you're, once you maybe say yes to everything, you will learn what to filter out and what not to. So you can better gauge, is this a waste of my time? Will this be beneficial for me? Or do I need to still take the chance? So that is, that's still, you know, you can't always gauge that something's going to be amazing for you. You just, uh, you just don't know. So hopefully with your, you know, your experience, your expertise, maybe having good people around you, just knowing, um, your business and your passion and what you want to do, the, the, the more you, uh, the more you learn about it, more experience with it, you'll be able to filter those out a lot more easy. So in the beginning, if you are just getting started with something that's going to happen and that's natural and that's normal. And if you're not doing that, you are not learning. Yeah. Well said on that front too. It's, it's interesting to see, and it comes with experience, like you said. So anytime those opportunities come about, uh, you won't know whether it's successful mm -hmm. or not. And it's tough to penalize yourself for doing something. And then you walk out feeling, oh man, what a waste of time that was. Yeah. <laughs> but then you, you never know, you never know, like that next event you go to could be that, that, uh, that one that just pivots everything. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the brand catches an eye of one individual that is very influential in that space and decides to scale it to a whole nother level. And, and right. like you said, you have to, you know, with experience, you assess and say, okay, this might not be as, it might not have the return on investment that I expect from my time versus this mm -hmm. other one, but you never know until you actually try it out. So I like that. That's a great way. Of yeah. putting it. So, you know, I'm taking that, I'd love for you to give us an idea of with your experience, you know, what the future looks like for, for jewelry specifically and, and how it's evolving. And where do you think uh, your particular brand Vise will, will fit in that future? I know there's a lot of cool changes happening out from a technological perspective, but also from trends as well too. Like, what do you see happening out there? Yeah, with um, the technology aspect, I already embrace some new technology. So what um, I do is investment casting. So that means that, um, uh, so I design a piece, right? I draw that, I sketch it out. And then um, I turn that into a computer animated design. So CAD. So this is from a computer and this is how I get the smooth lines. Um, I can make iterations that way faster and probably cheaper um, through that. Um, and then from there, um, that gets 3D printed into wax. So we use the wax. Then um, you put in an investment casting, basically like, like plaster, like, and then metal pours into there around the wax. And then that's what you get left is like the metal um, after that hardens, polish, et cetera. So you make a mold of that. And then that's how I can make my pieces, multiple pieces with the same design. Everything's still like hand polished, poured, everything. 
but so I do use the CAD aspect and I use the 3D printing just to test things out. So I'll print things in plastic from that CAD just to see if I like the shape, you know, it won't give me the weight exactly. Obviously it's being printed in plastic versus, you know, metal, but I use that to kind of turn around any prototypes much faster. So I can see if I like how that looks. Nice. Um, so newer technology, they're, they're 3D printing metal, um, which we talked about last time. I, um, I did try that. <laughs> it's really, it was only, so I tried it once with a, um, it was a company that made parts for um, airplanes. So that was a fun experience. You walking in there, like I need to make this chain, but (laughs) it's still too expensive and too new. So I feel like one, it's moving to that because now they're, they're 3d printing cars. We've, I've seen that, uh, you know, being in Detroit, I've seen this technology in real life, just with the auto show here. And I think that'll, I'm hoping that things will become uh, cheaper and faster really with that. And well, this is just global manufacturing in general. I think things are going to be able to be made hopefully faster and cheaper um, around the world. I I think um, I, I'm wondering if different you know metals will still come up because I feel like you know it's still very classic. We still wear like metal jewelry. We still like fine metal. We still like you know it's reverting right back um, back into all handmade stuff. That's what we appreciate more than manufactured. Um, as far as trends, you know, I feel like everything just comes back every 20 or so years. So it's interesting, something new this year that was very popular is more of like plastic jewelry. So that was interesting. I didn't get in on that (laughs) (laughs) because I'm still sticking to my metal. So I feel like maybe that'll come up more. Um, and like business wise, you know, I've seen like subscription services too. you know, a lot more businesses are popping up online only just because of the rise of obviously the internet and social media. So, but trends, they keep repeating every 20 years, I would say, because now we're having like more of like a nineties, which is scary to say that that was over 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 All that's back. So it's pretty cool. I, I still try to design. I, I would say a lot of my pieces still kind of, I, I, aim for them to be more timeless and kind of transcend that way because I feel like some of my stuff that I did design five years ago you can still wear today so I'm hoping to do that but you know I still like to be on trend and um just to design for the moment as well but I really really want things to be more versatile for people um and to really kind of stay um in a place where they're they feel like they can wear it at any time yeah, I love that. So uh, the the skill of a true uh, tradesman, right there, bring, bringing the I artist like so. out <laughs> and uh, and preserving it, regardless of how trends come and go. So that's, yeah, that's great. It's fascinating to see how technology is actually impacting the jewelry business mm-hmm. and and the actual process itself, where you could now live in the world of building airplanes and jewelry at the same time. And it's the same technology that will affect both. So that's pretty cool. That um, is really cool. Yeah. And when you think about it, and then in this case with, with trends, you know, like you said, things come and go out of fashion and, and building a product that is resilient and also shows a level of uh, scarcity. And by scarcity, in your case, being, you know, the, the talent, the skill behind the artist itself. I think people usually love that as a great way of saying, Hey, I actually own this particular piece made by X, Y, and Z individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, and 
doesn't matter what happens in terms of trend. This is something that's always going to be valuable. That's pretty cool. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Well, you know, in society, things are changing. They're improving for the better. And especially in between like opportunities for between men and women. Uh, And in your case, I'd love to get your idea of like, hey, in the world we live in today, what does it mean to be a woman today? And not only building a business, but just in general as well with everything that's happening. So I'd love to get your opinion on from a human being perspective, how how that impacts you. I love the deep questions. (laughs) (laughs) So... Well, you know, in general, as a woman, I, well, I guess I'll speak specifically to even, um, you know, an Albanian woman since it's about that. Um, I feel like we've come a long way. I'm very happy. I was born in the time I was born. You know, I appreciate the history of my people and the women around me closest to uh, closest to me. But today, um, well, there's not never been a greater time to be a, an Albanian woman. Um, and I hope it just keeps on improving just because I see that, um, you know, there's a lot more equality in terms of opportunity, just with respect and um, really giving, we can always take it, but I feel like women haven't felt like they haven't had the opportunity to speak up for themselves, be themselves, be in their own power, step into their own power. Um, and really shining through the the qualities that I speak of and vise um, in a different way. I felt like it was more silent, right? There were, they've always been strong. They've always balanced a lot of things. Uh, they've always balanced working and being a mother and all these other things to so many people in their household and community everywhere. So um, it's really amazing to see that now that's out more so in the forefront as opposed to, you know, being silent about it almost. And a woman today in general, I mean, it's amazing. We have so many opportunities. There could always be more. (laughs) We still have issues to work through, Um, you know, and that's just been societal. I don't know that it's, um, let's just say to blame, you know, men versus women, not at all. I think we're all trying to grow and understand, you know, the balance of that just because it's, it's always been a certain way. So it's kind of hard to break those societal things and maybe structures that we've had in maybe workplaces or in, you know, social communities. But, um, you know, I feel like although we've, as women, we worked up until this point to have these equal opportunity to, let's say men, I feel like now there's almost this time we're reaching this point where now we need to go back and revert and like bring back our femininity. Cause I feel like there's been just a lot of masculine um, energy and values that we've had to portray just to be independent and do our own thing and get at that level. You know, the, the qualities, you know, like that are very masculine leadership organizing um, you know, just taking charge. Um, now I feel like there's this shift where, okay, we really want to be, the soft, the creatives, like that's very feminine being creative um, and being caring. So I feel like there's, there's that kind of breaking point happening of how to find that balance. Um, But still a great time. There's more to do, but I'm happy with where we are today. (laughs) I like it. No, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. I love the perspective too of uh, it's first time I heard that as society has evolved, especially specifically for women trying to compete with men in a way, like you said, you have to embrace those masculine type qualities to, to, to fit in, of, of course, to within, within that world. 
But mm-hmm. now finding that balance of, hey, embracing the feminine side of things, and then also to not only succeed in business, but also to appreciate all the other qualities there and find that balance. And overall be, I think at the end of the day is we should see each other's as like human beings and everybody yeah. has a role and those roles in some families may be different than other families rather than that stereotypical societal, hey, this is what a woman should do and this is what a man should do. Right. Don't even contest it, right? Right. So that's great, yeah. And from that, you know, now more specifically to you, and I asked this question to everyone, and this was inspired by a particular professor who uh, always led life by uh, creating like a measurement for himself. And he asks this question to everyone, uh, whether you're pursuing a business, whether you're just living in general uh, as a human being, um, how do you measure your life? Uh, what's that barometer? Oh, more deep. <laughs> more deep. This is the deepest that will go. <laughs> go right now. I know. I love it. No, I appreciate it, actually. I really do. Um, um, I measure my life, uh, well, it's hard to say, by my fulfillment, but I am fulfilled by I would say just love in general. So love in my relationships, you know, my family and friends, I think we, I think there's a, something back and there's like this weird duality right now that we're seeing in society where everything's like, worry about yourself, self-love, self-respect, self-growth. You don't need anybody. Don't take that. But then you know, with COVID, we realize you can't be in isolation. We really need community. This is how we grow. This is how we really are inspired. Um, I read something the other day of, you know, sometimes people, adults, um, you know, in, in speaking to even the listeners about, you know, like you said, if they want to be an entrepreneur, why we get this um, resistance almost, or why we can't fully launch. And it's because we're at a point where we have no one like really pushing us in school. You have your professors and classmates saying, yeah, yeah, yeah go, go. And let's say in your family, you have this in the corporate world, you have this, you don't have that anymore on your own. So it's, a, it's really weird to just kind of do this by yourself. So, you know, you, it, you really do need a good community and good people around you just to bring that out of you, not to say that you have to rely solely on others, but it definitely helps with inspiration and need somebody, you need people around you that share in similar values to just encourage, not tell you what to do but they bring those uh, values out of you. So loving that for sure. I mean, that's very strong, very um, important for you to have good relationships in your life, just even for your career as well. And love for what you do. I mean, I really, I really love what I'm doing <laughs> despite all the difficulties and challenges. Uh, I feel the happiest I've ever been working on this. So that love and giving back, um, And it's funny. So I'm doing this for me, but really what I get from others is what's fulfilling. So I'm doing good for others. And I didn't talk about this, but part of ours and um, the mission I wanted for that too was, you know, giving back to the community. So um, we, you know, I work with nonprofits and anything that um, I was solely really originally wanting to work with, you know, women and children or groups that support women and children. But if anybody comes to me for another purpose, of course, I'm willing to help them. But so um, I really love seeing what my work brings back to me and knowing that I can help other people just in their confidence, in their own happiness, small things, because little blips is how we're going to get to bigger changes in this world. So if I can help at least in that way in an individual and just making them feel good for whatever, let's say they were my jeweler to a job interview. I mean, that would make me feel amazing as opposed to, you know, giving millions of dollars for this, to this organization, you know, one day I could be able to do that. So 
um, love for that and, and just getting that back and seeing that in other people. That's perfect. That's a great, that's <laughs> great, great way of measuring yourself right there. Yeah. Like um, and you know, with that, uh, I'll leave it now where we teach, uh, the listeners a little bit, uh, give them some, some culture here, a dose of, uh, Albanian culture. Um, so oh, yeah. you can depict any word you want. I think I might have a hint on what might that be, but what? if you have I an know, Albanian, I... <laughs> if you have an Albanian can word, I, uh, can, I do, like <laughs> can I do vice? Uh, yeah. 100%. I'll give it to you. No, no. Vice is a beautiful okay, okay. word. I love that's, it. That's the, okay. That's like the mini, I'm going to do two words. Cause All vice, right. we never even shared that. I suppose. So vise means girl in Albanian, but it also means, you know, young girl, like an unmarried girl. It means um, sometimes a daughter. So I liked that there's different versions of that. And that's why I I did pick the brand name vise. So there's one word for you. And then my other word, I think I told you about this was I, I never do it for the longest time just because, you know, our dialects are different. I never used anything that wasn't conversational Albanian you know, in that period in my teens where I wasn't really, you know, embracing that, which was from, from Zoe, from Zoe, from Zoe, I love it. Yeah. And, um, I think you taught me this too, which, so that's inspire. I used it in an interview because I'm like, it just, you know, speaks to so much about, um, how the Albanian culture, um, did inspire me and the, um, part of that world, part of that word room, it means to breathe into. So I love that. Yeah. Um, that's in there of like, um, it's really giving life to something. So that's inspire. I love it. There we go. So we got two words out there. <laughs> We're going to make sure we get experience Albanian speakers <laughs> happening around here. So that's perfect. Both words that mean, mean a lot personally to you and for others, uh, just shows you, you know, language is a beautiful thing and it has many different meanings in terms of how you use it. So that's perfect. So yes. with, with that, I hope everybody really learned a lot. This was truly a masterclass, not only in the jewelry business, but also personally from a, from a very talented human being as you, Valentina. So thank you enough for all your time and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here and I've talked to you. Humanizers, I hope you enjoyed that story. It truly revealed the passion of an entrepreneur in building an idea and then transforming it into a business. So now I ask you this, what world do we want to design? And more importantly, what humanist values will guide us? Stay tuned on to the next story.